Job chapter 22, 25, in the old King James Version, please. When you have it, say amen. amen. This is actually the title of the message. He says, yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense. Everybody say, God is my defense. Oh, God. Whatever you are facing, whatever is coming against you, I have an announcement to your enemy. God is your defense. Yea, the Almighty shall be thy defense, and thou shalt have plenty of silver. Make this confession with me. God is my defense, and I have plenty of money. Now, over the course of this service, I want that scripture to get so deep in your spirit that you're confessing it to yourself all week. God is my defense, is my defense. and I have plenty of money. money. Now, we're making some devils nervous right now, and that's all right. It's what we came to do, okay? Even if you've been struggling and you don't have everything you want right now, by faith, I want you to say it one more time. God is my defense, is my defense. and I have plenty of money. Give God a shout right where you're standing. I'm starting to feel something already. There's certain words that when you read them and you confess them by faith, you feel like a surge go right through you. And I just felt on that last one, I felt a surge go right through me. God is my defense and I have plenty of money. I want all my debt to hear that. I want all my bills to hear that. I want my future to hear that. God is my defense, and I have plenty of money. Now, i got to stop saying it or I'm going to get lost. God is my defense. I have plenty of money. God helps you know we need it. Amen. You can be seated. Tenth Sunday of the year, I've preached the last nine of them. We've been talking about dynamics of dominion. The concept of dominion has been threaded through every message that we've been preaching. We believe we are growing together as a church, maturing as a people, moving beyond just using our faith as a survival mechanism to get through life, and actually beginning to believe God and position ourselves to have everything that the Scripture says that we can have. We believe it's our time to take, possess, and live in dominion. If something's wrong with this mic, I'll take another one. Whatever y'all have to do, I know it's not your fault. I know the equipment acts up sometimes. Y'all do what you got to do and keep me to where the people can hear me because I got something to say to them today. All right, now I want you to consider this concept. All right, stay with me. Link the concepts. When the physical body of Jesus Christ was operating in the earth, he didn't start out in power. He didn't start out in resources. He didn't start out advertising how heaven was rich in glory and in power. How did he start out? He started out in wisdom, okay? Bible says at the age of 12 years old, he ain't performed no miracles yet. At the age of 12 years old, he's in the temple rationalizing with the scholars, and he amazed them with his wisdom. But... His wisdom did not change the world. His message did not change the world. It wasn't even his message that got him killed. When Jesus started shaking up the culture and going wild, it wasn't his preaching first. In fact, when Jesus started out, there wasn't huge crowds following him. His cousin, John the Baptist, was far more famous and drawing bigger crowds than Jesus was. But there was two things Jesus did. All this time he's got wisdom. All this time he's preaching. But it's not turning culture upside down. Okay? It was wisdom by itself. But when Jesus added his resources to his wisdom, he flipped everything upside down. There were two things that got Jesus killed, and they were both him displaying his resources. First one was when he fed 20,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That wasn't wisdom. That was resource. That was power.
power. That was him revealing that there is no lack and no deficiency in heaven. When 20,000 people walked away digesting supernatural bread and fish that he had provided, his fame began to spread to the point that he couldn't walk through a city. When he would walk through a city, a whole city would shut down. And then the second thing he did that got him killed, it's in uh, John chapter 11, when Jesus raised Lazarus, the dead man, from the grave. It was after he raised Lazarus, the Pharisees got together and said, we can't let him live. We can't let him keep going or the whole world is going to follow him. They weren't talking about we got to kill him because of his wisdom. They were talking about we got to kill him because of his wisdom and resources that are turning the world upside down. That was the physical body of Jesus Christ. He was moving through radically changing culture with wisdom and resource. Everybody say wisdom and resource. So as a result, this dark demonic force comes against Jesus to resist his body, to fight his body, and ultimately crucify him to try to get his body out of the earth because of his wisdom and his resource. Not realizing that God intended Jesus to suffer so that through his suffering, our sins could be forgiven. And not only that, we could become his body in the earth. So even though the dark forces that were against Jesus ended up succeeding in crucifying his body, they're still dealing with the body of Christ in the earth because Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, 27, that now you are the body of Jesus Christ in the earth. That every person that believes in Jesus is filled with the spirit of Jesus and also placed spiritually in the body of Jesus Christ. So although they were able to fight against his body, resist his body, crucify his body, they're still dealing with his body even though he ascended into heaven because every time one of us walks anywhere in the earth, we are the living members of the body of Jesus Christ. But the same forces that attacked Jesus and resisted Jesus' physical body in the earth is attacking and resisting the church today. The Christian faces more attacks than any other person on the face of the earth. The Christian faces attacks, number one, from their own sin nature. Your own nature will fight against you. Paul said, when I'm trying to do something right, evil is always present, not outside of me, it's present within me. So I got to fight with myself. And then I have resistance and attacks from other people. I love how Bishop said, he said, I don't know what's worse, the devil or people. You ever been attacked by other people? Resisted by other people? Had other people try to shut you down? And then number three, demonic forces. This is what you wake up to deal with every single day. Attacks from within yourself, attacks from people, and attacks from the same demonic forces that resisted Jesus for all of his ministry. Why? Because you are the body of Christ. And the same devil that wanted to afflict Jesus is the same devil that's still trying to afflict his body today. But I have news for the enemy. God is our defense. Now, let's expose this. One of the demonic systems being used to resist the body of Jesus Christ today. And what I mean by the body of Jesus Christ is you and whoever's sitting on your pew with you. Because we are the members of his body. One of the demonic systems being used to resist us as a people to hold us back as a people, not just in this church, but globally, the global body of Christ. One of the systems is poverty and lack. Ooh, I feel good today. God's going to have to help me. Poverty and lack are demonic-inspired systems meant to keep the people of God down. Now, as a society... We will never totally eliminate poverty. 
Because if you really study it, poverty is an industry. There's a lot of evil people that have made their fortunes taking advantage of the less fortunate. And because there's so many evil people that do that, Jesus said, the poor you will have with you always. So in a, as a society, we will never eliminate poverty. Poverty is a three-headed beast. Let's expose it. Number one, it is a spirit. Everyone say a spirit. Number two, it is a mindset, a paradigm of poverty. And number three, it is a systemic cycle. That's why when you're really dealing with poverty and you're wrestling with poverty, you take two steps forward, you finally get something paid off or you finally make some progress and then you take three steps back because it is a systemic cycle and everything in the system is designed to keep you in poverty. We will never eradicate it, but the body of Jesus Christ must challenge it and refuse to participate in any level of poverty. I'm going to say that again. The body of Christ. If you are a member in the body of Christ, you must make it your mission to refuse to participate with any level of poverty in your life, in your family, or in your circle. Everyone say this faith confession with me. I refuse poverty in every area of my life. Now, if poverty has dogged you, if poverty has attacked you, or if you have been around it for a long time, sometimes that kind of confession can, can stab you a little bit or cut you a little bit. Sometimes you'll think something's being said that's not being said. But regardless of how you feel about it, faith words are powerful. So I want you to say it again with faith and force. I refuse poverty. I refuse poverty. I refuse poverty. Say it with me watching online. I refuse poverty in every area of my life. Now say, God is my defense against poverty. God wants the body of Christ to take dominion in the earth, particularly in this season. But dominion requires revenue. Dominion requires force. Dominion requires ability and power. Okay. It was not the wisdom of Jesus that allowed him to take dominion over the culture and change it. It was the force. It was the fact that he had the revenue of heaven flowing through him that allowed him to take dominion. God wants the body of Christ... To do the same thing that Jesus Christ did when he was in the earth. He wants us to take dominion over the culture. He wants us to take dominion over problems in our community and in our cities. He wants us to take dominion in government and in certain regions where leadership is needed. But we cannot take that level of dominion if we have the wisdom of God, the word of God, the anointing of God, the gifts of God, but our wallets are broke. The devil is a liar. You're going to need some serious money if this dominion thing is actually going to manifest in your life and the devil don't mind you shouting and the devil don't mind you coming to church and the devil don't mind you singing a song and the devil don't mind you doing a dance but when you get serious about receiving the wisdom of God for resources and then possessing the resources and the power of God all hell will break out against you just like it did against Jesus when Jesus started showing I don't just have the wisdom I I got the power to make changes happen too. Oh yeah. So Jesus began to establish the kingdom of God in the earth's culture and flip the earth's culture upside down. God wants us to do the same thing as the body of Christ. God wants to reveal and establish his covenant in the middle of this world's culture. And he has to do it through you. These buildings and this platform and this location, this is not the church. You are the church. 
This is the house of God, but you are the body of Jesus Christ. So when I say that God wants to bless his church to go out into the culture and take dominion, what I mean is God wants to give you resources. God wants to give you plenty of money. God wants to give you financial promotion and advancement. Not so you can be a rich, selfish little baby, but so you have the resources to go out and enforce kingdom principles within the culture. Deuteronomy 8.18, put it on the screen, please. Deuteronomy 8.18, this is still as true as it was when it was written. Deuteronomy 8.18, please. Deuteronomy 8.18, please. I'll just quote it. He says, Thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth thee. Oh, yeah. Look at your neighbor. Say, it is he that giveth thee the power to get I don't know if you hear what I'm saying. I feel something moving down in my toes this morning. It is he that giveth thee the power to get. So you can buy a new Cadillac. So you can floss and stunt in front of your neighbors and your friends and family. No, that he may establish his covenant, which he swear unto thy fathers as it is this day. In other words, God knows that true kingdom dominion is never going to happen unless he empowers his people with the power to get wealth that he may establish the covenant of blessing and the covenant of the kingdom through us. How are you going to be a blessing to anybody if you are not blessed yourself? How are you going to feed the hungry if you don't have enough money to buy food for you and your family? How are you going to clothe the naked? How are you going to give away vehicles? If you're walking and taking the bus yourself, how are you going to be a light in a dark place if you ain't got no fire in your candle yourself? God wants his people to be blessed. This false idea that God wants Christians to be poor and live in this broken down way is a lie from the pit of hell. God wants you so blessed that all of your needs are met and you have enough left over to have plenty to help somebody else. So when they receive the help from you, and they thank you you can say in the name of jesus christ as an ambassador of the kingdom of god today the blessing of the lord has hit your life through me i am the body god is my defense and i have plenty of money I'm going to keep saying it till you say it back at me and I hear a certain roar out of your spirit. That is not a confession you can say with your mind because your mind will war against the things of God. But somebody's going to say that today one time where the faith in their heart is going to connect with the power of the spirit within you and it's going to cause a crack in this atmosphere. God is my defense and I have plenty It ain't moving yet, but it will. It ain't moving yet, but it will. It's going to hit you and get so deep in your spirit, you're going to be up all night thinking about it. Think about the possibilities. God is my defense, and I have... Psalm 59.9 But you... I will wait for you, oh, his strength, for God is my defense. Psalm 59, 17, look at it. To you, oh, my strength, I will sing praises, for God is my defense. Every time you see God become a defense for someone, he brings with it plenty of money. Job twenty two twenty five. God is my defense and I shall have plenty of money. Now, if you're sensitive right now, you can feel a vein rising spiritually. Okay. You can just feel the anointing in the room rising. You can also feel oppressive warfare from the prince demon in this area, which is named poverty. 
There's a prince demon that's been in this region in San Antonio for thousands of years. Demons love regions. That's why the demons Jesus cast out of the man asked if they could be cast into the pigs because they wanted to stay into the region to continue their oppression of the people in that area. And when there's a demon assigned to a region, the demon's only job is to keep the chains and the strongholds of their primary gift in that place. And this demon has a gift to keep people broke, impoverished, and keep their mind low when it comes to money, when it comes to owning property, when it comes to investments, when it comes to spending the right way and saving the right way and doing the right thing at the right time with money. And that demon hates everything that I'm saying out of my mouth right now. He will war against your mind. He will war against your ears. He will fight with you over receiving this word. But somebody's going to get this down in their spirit today and literally begin to bruise the head of the devil that's been fighting you in the area of your finances. I came to tell you God is your defense and you will see the time where you stand up, look around, and can't even believe what you're seeing because you will say, I have plenty. Give him praise right wherever you are. If you're starting to get that, if you're starting to receive that, if you're starting to feel that, make a praise declaration by faith. God is my defense and I have I'm telling you, somebody that's broke right now, God's about to blow your mind with blessing. Somebody that's been living in lack, God is about to blow your mind with opportunity. Somebody that's been struggling paycheck to paycheck, God is going to hasten to perform this word. God is my defense and I shall have plenty. You got to ride it till it breaks. God is my defense. And I shall have plenty of money. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. Consider how the lilies are clothed. Does not your God who values the lilies value you that much more? Your God wants to bless you. This is the season of blessing. This is the season and time for you to begin to prosper like you were purposed to. I break every demonic spirit of poverty. I break every spirit of resistance that would keep you from walking in the blessing of the Lord and your father. Finances. We will not just have wisdom. We will not just have anointing. We will not just have gifts. We will receive our money in the name of Jesus. Somebody shout, I have plenty of money. Now give God a right praise. A right praise. A right praise. my defense and my business shall have plenty of money to every business owner that's been struggling I'm not just talking about you personally I'm talking about your business God is about to blow your mind in your business those of you that have investments God is about to force you to grow those of you that have property your values are about to go up God is my defense and I shall have plenty of money God is, God is, God is my defense and I shall have plenty.
Ecclesiastes. God is my defense. And I shall have plenty of money. Ecclesiastes 7.12. For wisdom is a defense. And money is a defense. But the excellence of knowledge is that wisdom gives life to those who have it. Look at what he says. He says, wisdom is a defense. And money is a defense. Not just wisdom. Wisdom and money. Now, if you've been coming to church for any amount of time and you've been receiving the word of God, you have wisdom. Because the scripture says, the fear of the Lord, the reverence, the honor, and the respect of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So just because you came to church today, everyone in the building has at least a modicum of wisdom. But you don't just need wisdom. Wisdom is a defense. And especially in this nation, Lord have mercy. Seems like it doesn't matter what crime you commit if you have enough money. You're going to leave me on that, but that's all right. We're seeing people guilty as sin. Walking scot-free. Why? Because they can afford a defense. Because money doesn't make it right, but it is true. Money is a defense. Why do you need wisdom and money? Ecclesiastes 9, 13 through 16 in the NIV. Listen at this story. It's amazing. Ecclesiastes 9. The wisdom I have seen under the sun, and it seemed great to me. I, I also saw under the sun this example of wisdom that greatly impressed me. Listen to the example. Next verse. There was once a small city with only a few people in it, and a powerful king came against it and surrounded it and built huge siege works against it. Next verse. Now, there lived in that city a man poor but wise. How wise was he? He saved the city by his wisdom. But nobody remembered that poor man. Next verse. So I said, wisdom is better than strength. But the poor man's wisdom is despised and his words are no longer heeded. Now, this man's living in a little town that is attacked by a huge kingdom. And he's got so much wisdom that he is able to save his little town against a mighty army coming against him. But because he does not have wisdom and resources... His lessons and his wisdom does not have the power to change the culture in the city or the thinking of the people. So although his wisdom saved them from one battle, they forgot his lessons and were overcome the next time a battle came. That's a prophetic microcosm of where the body of Christ is and our level of influence right now on the earth. Just think about it. How many people call you in trouble? Maybe they're in your family. Maybe they're friends. Their heart is overwhelmed. All kind of stuff is going wrong. And they call you for some reason for wisdom. Who, who's talking with me right now? Who does that apply to? Okay. They call you. You've given somebody biblical, scriptural advice, what you should do in your life. But then it, it works. It, it, it helps them get out. They make it. But six months later, the same person is in the same mess they were in. Why? Your wisdom didn't last. It didn't have the cultural force to uproot whatever behavior was going on in their life. So it saved the city momentarily, but it didn't have the power to uproot and reverse the culture. That's why we need wisdom and resources. God, give me wisdom. And resources. Now, we're fighting the demon of poverty. We're going to unmask it. 
We're going to give you a few biblical causes of poverty so that if you see any of this present in your life, any of this present in your family, any of this present around you, you can immediately cut the head off and uproot that system in your life. We will not tolerate poverty in our lives in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, we will not tolerate it. We will go from level to level to level to level. And even if you're starting out at a very low level, do not accept poverty. Do not allow you to think yourself as poor or impoverished or at a disadvantage. I have an announcement for you. There is no room for victims in this place. You are not a victim. You may have been victimized, but you are not a victim. I refuse to allow the enemy to label our members by something that has happened to them. You are not a victim and you are not impoverished right now whatever level you're at you're about to go higher in the name of Jesus no matter what amount of debt you have your debt's about to shrink in the name of Jesus no matter what you own right now you're about to own more in the name of Jesus because God is your defense and you shall have plenty of money Biblical causes of poverty. Number one, idle talk. Give me the strength to preach this God. Idle talk. Proverbs 14, 23. Proverbs 14, 23. In all labor, there is profit. God created the system in such a way that if you will labor, there will be profit. But if you refuse to labor, you are partnering with poverty. If you refuse to labor, I don't care what you know, any of your ideologies have told you or, or people have tried to sell you something to believe in. If you refuse to labor, you refuse to profit. In some labor. In all labor, there is. But idle chatter leads only to. Poverty. Proverbs 12, 27. The lazy man help me, Jesus. Oh, God. Be a guard at my mouth, Holy Ghost. The lazy man does not roast what he took in hunting. I want you to let that scripture just sit on you. He went hunting to kill something so that he'd have something to eat. But he went hunting, he got the kill, but then he didn't take it home, pluck it, clean it, and then roast it, and then eat it. He stopped at step one. Now, you want to know why he didn't pluck it? Skin it, clean it, roast it, and eat it. No, no, no. You want to know why? He was too busy talking about it. He got one little kill, and instead of going home and putting in the rest of the work, he went over to his neighbor's house and said, look what I just did. Then he went over to his friend's house and said, look what I just did. Then he went and bragged around to all of his family. Look at this car I just leased. Look at this fake watch I just bought. Look at these spinning rims that I just got that cost more than the car that I put them on. So the kill doesn't even profit him. That's what poverty does. 
it makes sure that your prophets don't go to profit you. It makes sure that your prophets go in a sinkhole of more debt and more lack and more interest and more mess. Number two, refusal to sow. Now, I put a dash after sow. The refusal to sow, and what I really mean by that is a lack mindset. The reason why most people that don't give, don't give, is because they believe in their mind, I don't have it. Then they tell themselves this lie. If I had it, think that some of the people that just ran up here and sold, you think they have it? Oh, you think they're rich people? I'm not going to expose them, but some of them walked to church today. But I promise you, if you watch them and you just track their life, they will continue to go from level to level to level, to level. Because regardless of their financial situation, they are not in poverty and they do not have a lack mindset. All right. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. Proverbs 11, 24, 25. I'm coming after this thing today. Now, watch, watch the wisdom now. Watch, watch, watch. There is one who scatters seed. Just... he's throwing away all his seed yet somehow he increases more but there is one who withholds the seed I don't have it if I had it I would give it one who withholds more than is right but it leads to poverty. It's a mysterious law. You would think the more you hold on to it, the more you would have. Not so. It's a law. Something will take it. Right? If you don't sow it, you make it available to the seed eater. The parasites. You know, the refrigerator you bought six months ago stops working. You get in your car and that engine's making that funny sound. Okay. It'll go somewhere. Okay. The reason the one that scatters it keeps increasing is because he understands the law. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. You never decrease by sowing. You always increase your now and your next. Your now and your future when you sow. When you have a withholding mindset, it leads to poverty. I have this law. I have this thing written down here in the notes I want to give to you. If you're dealing with poverty, generosity breaks poverty. It just breaks it, okay? Katie and I were in a restaurant the other day, and normally, if we're ever in a restaurant, for some reason, we, we, we see other members of the clergy uh, a lot, and sometimes we see members, you know, and a lot of times, a lot of times, when we see people, we won't say nothing about it, we'll just tell the waiter, put whatever they had on our bill. And um, the Lord had blessed us uh, last week to, uh, to get a pretty uh, heavy credit card paid off, and, um, and something we had had since early on in our marriage. And, and, uh, 
and something we've been working on through, you know, through all of Levi's issues and whatnot. So anyway, we, we were able to bury that, and, but as a result of it, there wasn't a whole lot of just extra money you know, sitting in the account, and we were having lunch, and uh, we saw this, this pastor and family, and, and uh, the Lord just spoke to us, said, get their, get their, uh, get their meal. It's just something we normally do. We just, we, it's, a, it's a regular kind of normal thing for us. And I got to thinking about it on the way home. That's never happened to me. <laughs> I kind of got a little attitude on the drive home, you know, just, just in my spirit. Lord, as long as I've been doing this. I mean, I've been, I've been doing this since I was 18 years old. I mean, it's just something, you know, I just have, I'm generous. It's just part of my, I'm not generous to be spiritual. It's just part of my personality. I'm a generous person. But, so I was thinking, you know, wonder why that's never happened to me. And I got home and checked my email and my little side business, my consulting thing that I'm doing, it just had just unbelievable opportunity contract sitting right in my email and the Lord said I never lost track of one seed you've ever sowed in your life and I know how to make the harvest rain for you I know how to bring the blessing in for you you keep doing what I put in your heart to do I will be in charge of how your blessing flows shout God is my defense and I have plenty of money Number three, causes for poverty, a revelation deficit. A revelation deficit. Proverbs 20, 13, what causes it? Proverbs 20, 13. Proverbs 20, 13. Do not love sleep. What a day to preach that scripture on. We all lost an hour last night. Do not love sleep. Watch. Lest you come to poverty. Now, I knew out of all the points I was going to preach that this would be the least shouts per minute. I know I'm talking to people that love. Now, he didn't say not to sleep. He said don't love sleep. Why? Because if you track in the scriptures, most of the life-changing words God gave people, he gave to them at night. When he gave the promise to Abraham, he showed up at midnight and said, come out of your tent and raise your eyes towards the heaven and look at the stars to see if you can count them. So shall your seed be. If he would have loved sleep, he would have missed that revelation. Wonder how many revelations you've missed. In your prayer time, when you give God permission to, when you say, God, if you want to interrupt my rest, if you want to speak to me and wake me up out of my sleep, if you want to lead me and guide me, if you want to drop a word in my spirit, I give you permission to take away my sleep. Abraham got a life-changing word at night. Jacob got a life-changing word at night. Joseph got a life-changing word at night. David got a life-changing word at night. Paul got a life-changing word at night. Peter got a life-changing word at night. It happened at night. Sleeping excessively causes a revelation deficit. There's something that happens to your mind at night. Your mind opens in a unique way to the things of God. Your thoughts on everything you've been through in the day expand in a certain way, and you're able to put things in the order of your continuing narrative and your story. Don't love sleep to the point that you use it instead of spending time with God at night. Number four, lack of discipline causes poverty. Proverbs 23, 21. Lack of discipline causes poverty. He says, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. And drowsiness, let me use one of Bishop's words for that, sleepy eyes. 
You ever known somebody that had <laughs> sleepy eyes? They just walked around real slow. Their eyes were real sleepy. Okay. Forces, let me inject this. Your body language matters. In the office, in the meeting, in the community, during the presentation, your body language matters. When you look sleepy, okay, you send off the vibe that you're not a go-getter, that you're not disciplined, that you can't be trusted with money, that you can't be trusted with high-stress opportunities, okay? Okay, when you look sleepy. So, do a mirror check, and if you look sleepy... Now, you're looking at me like you don't need this word, but you don't see what I see. I see a whole lot of sleepy in the room this morning. I see a whole lot of sleepy. I see a whole lot of people that did not wake up like you believed you were going to get a life-changing word at church today. I see a whole lot of people that are still waiting on me to warm your faith up and light the pilot light. I see a whole lot of sleepy. And sleepy doesn't get success. Sleepy doesn't take dominion. Sleepy doesn't go into the enemy's camp while they're sleeping and take back what they stole. Because Sleepy's sleeping. Shout, I am not sleepy. Lack of discipline causes poverty. Says the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. What's he talking about? What's he talking about? The drunkard and the glutton. People that can't control themselves overindulging you know we always talked about this when I was growing up you know the church I was we were affiliated with uh, the denomination we were affiliated with always you know used to hang people over hell for drinking but they never preached about eating too much in the Bible they are in the same category it is a sin to eat too much. It's called gluttony. He said, the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty. It'll cause poverty. If you're a glutton, there are opportunities you will not be able to take or you will not be able to maximize because you have eaten yourself into a place where you lack mobility and you lack energy and you lack force. Get control of that thing. Get some discipline in your life. Get a gym membership. I can't afford one. Go to Planet Fitness. They're like 50 cents. I don't have time to work out. Do it when you normally sleep. Y'all ain't gonna talk to me today. Can't take dominion if you're dying of a heart attack at 40 years old. The devil is a liar. The drunkard and the glutton. How are you, how are you going to take dominion if you can't manage sobriety? Coming into the presence of God, trying to get your faith warmed up, and you got a hell of a hangover. Apply some discipline to the thing. I'm not condemning you. I'm saying where there is no discipline, there will be no success. It's as simple as telling yourself, no, I will not eat that third taco. You're going to be mad at me today. The drunkard and the glutton, people that can't control themselves, will come to poverty. Get some discipline in your life. I want to re uh, recommend a book. Put it on the screen. Alistair Campbell wrote a book called Winners and How They Succeed. You can take a picture of it, whatever. It's called Winners and How They Succeed. He goes through and he interviews some of the 
most successful people uh, in the world and shows a similar thread that runs all the way through him. One of the themes of his book is OSTs, Objectives, Strategies, and Tactics. Say it with me, Objectives, Strategies, and Tactics. They all require discipline. Whatever your objective is, it's going to require discipline. Whatever your strategy is, it's going to require discipline. Whatever your tactic is, okay. Strategies, the plan, tactics are how you perform the plan, okay. Whatever the tactic is, it's going to require discipline. And then final note on discipline. Discipline attracts the blessing of God because God blesses people he can trust. Ooh. Ooh. I don't know if you know how heavy what it is I just dropped. Discipline attracts the blessing of God because God blesses people he can trust. Amen. Amen. Number five, taking shortcuts leads to poverty. Proverbs 28, 22. Proverbs 28, 22. You're going to know you've been to church today when you leave. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches. And does not consider that poverty will come upon him. Beware. Listen to me, people. We're not calling anybody out. We love everybody. But I have a Facebook account, too. <laughs> Beware of pyramid schemes. All right? You know, if you'll buy this and then you'll recruit 10 other people under you to buy this and then we'll all sell this and we'll jump on social media and the more we get to buy and the more we get to sell, the more we'll... It's a pyramid scheme, okay? Those things do not prosper. It all ends up in poverty. Beware of get-rich-quick schemes. Amen. High-interest loans. Payday loans. Shortcuts lead to poverty. Raise your right hand. Say, God is my defense against poverty. And I shall have plenty of money. All right. When David started out, this is my last point. When David started out, now this, this is prophetic. Is my mic okay out there? Because I lost everything up here. I mean, I don't need it up here as long as, as, as y'all can hear me. All right. It's just prophetic, okay? This is what God gave me for you. I had to get through all that to give you this. When David started out, he had wisdom. The Bible says over and over again, David behaved himself wisely, right? He had wisdom. He had the anointing from Samuel, okay, at a young age. And he had a gift from God in his spirit. He could sing, write, and play music. But he had no money. He was broke. It was wisdom without resources. And wisdom without resources gets forgotten, gets ignored, never has the opportunity to change the culture. Okay? So, as a result, David is using his wisdom, his anointing, and his gifts to fight all his battles for free. You better listen to me. I don't know who this is for. Bear came out to kill one of his sheep, and he fought and killed the bear, and he did it for free. Lion came out to kill one of his sheep. He fought the lion, killed the lion, and he did it for free. Saul's attendants come, and they say, Saul's fighting with a demon spirit. We want you to come use your gift, play a song, sing a song, drive that devil out of there. He went in the palace and produced spiritual warfare, got rid of Saul's demon, and he did it. For free. Daddy came and said, I don't need that right now. Daddy came and said, I want you to carry bread and cheese down to the battlefield to your brothers. And he did it for free. All that wisdom, all that anointing, all that gifting, fighting his battles for free. And in the body of Christ, this is where many of us have been living. 
we have wisdom, the wisdom from God's word. We have anointing from God's presence and his spirit. And we have a gift in us, but we've been fighting our bears and our lions for free. We've been going into the palace and fighting spirits off of people. And we've been doing it for free. There's been no recompense. There's been no reward. There's been no resources granted to us for what we have been doing for free. You've been helping other people, killing other people's lions, killing other people's bears. Those lions that came after those sheep, they weren't coming after David's sheep. The sheep didn't belong to him. They belonged to his father. He was fighting his father's bear and doing it for free. He was fighting his father's lion and doing it for free. And I know there's a lot of people sitting in the room here this morning that are sick of going into battles and having cuts and bruises and winning and walking off the battlefield and there being no reward for the battle you have been fighting. Got the anointing, got the wisdom, got the gift. But where is the money? But Goliath messed up. Because when David walked to deliver that bread and cheese, Goliath gave David the first contract he had ever had in his life. What was the first thing Goliath said? If I kill you, all your people be my slaves. But you kill me, all my people be your slave. That was the first time in the boy's life anybody had ever given him a contract. Now, Goliath messed up. Because he offered a man that was used to fighting for free. I I'm sorry, wait a minute. I don't know if I heard you right. You mean you're about to pay me? For what I've been doing for free all of my life, it's dangerous to offer a prize fight to a fighter that's been used to fighting for free. Then Saul offers David the second contract. Person that kills this giant is going to live tax-free, have a lifetime salary, and marry my daughter. David thinks he has lost his mind. Wait a second. You mean all I got to go out there and do is what I've been doing for free? All my life I've been fighting stuff bigger than me, threatening to kill me. You mean all I can, you mean I ain't got to do nothing new? Two contracts are coming. Two contracts are coming. Make sure you tell I'm sick of y'all receiving miracles through prophecy and not responding and telling me when it comes. Two contracts are coming. Listen to me. Two contracts are coming. Here's a very specific word. And they will be to pay you for what you already do. That's the kind of contract Jochebed got. Pharaoh's daughter found Moses. She said, let's find a Hebrew lady, one of our slaves, to take care of this and nurse this baby. Miriam said, I know one. And Pharaoh's daughter brought Jochebed in there and paid her. Gave her a contract and paid her to do what she would have done for free. The days of you being taken advantage of are over. The days of you being robbed and conned are over. You have taken dominion in your faith. You've dared to believe God beyond survival. You've taken dominion as it pertains to the word. And now in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare the blessing of dominion that adds resources to wisdom. The blessing of the dominion of God to enable you to go out and make a difference in the culture and change 
some things. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak blessing over your business. In the name of Jesus Christ, I speak blessing over all the works of your hand. I declare this week as I did last week that your hands are blessed, your baskets are blessed, and your storehouses are blessed. And one more time, I declare over you that God is your defense, and you shall have plenty of money in the name of Jesus. God is my defense. Come on, worship him. Lift up your hands and just worship him with this faith confession. God is my defense. And I shall have plenty of money. God is my defense. And I shall have plenty of money. God is my defense. You watch it. Those contracts are coming. God is my defense. And I shall have plenty. 